0: Welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. To my right, we have. Teresa. And to my left, we have. You have Sean. And our special guest interviewee today, we have Jason Nass. How are you, man? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Um, This was was all brought on. It all dates back (laughs) to an earlier episode we did. One of the very first (laughs) wrap-ups we did. For the uh, Forge and Fire, your episode specifically, uh, Season 5, Episode 8 for the Zonde Spear. And this was when we first started doing these wrap-ups. So we were a little more... Naive? Naive and didn't really understand a lot of the processes. (laughs) So when we were trying to make content, we were being more crass about... Things that we shouldn't have been criticizing. Well,
1: we didn't know better. We didn't know right? any better. So, so
0: in in putting that one up, we actually heard from Drew, and Drew offered to come on and do an interview with us. And uh, he set us straight um, in his interview with. And then uh, you commented on our video the other day, and I was like, "Well, this is the perfect opportunity to have him on and let him sh- share his side of the story for what happened on his episode." And, uh, and ask him some other questions. So thank you again for coming on with us.
2: Not a problem. Happy to be here.
0: So we're going to jump right in. Um, for your episode, Zande Spear, the first thing they, they always call out is your years of experience. And yep. yours are, at the time was 20 years of experience. And I know okay. you are... Mostly you do blacksmithing mostly by trade, right?
2: Well, by at the moment I'm doing heating and air conditioning. But yeah, mostly I'm a blacksmith, more more than a knife maker. I kinda got into it from the knife making end. Uh Nicholas marcelia who uh also known as Grendel, he won the season I think it was season four, episode two, Deerhorn Knives episode. Okay. He was the guy who got me into blacksmithing when I was living out in Oregon and him and his partner, and then it just started out with knives, and then it just degraded into all of the insane, crazy nonsense that I do now. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: In the episode, your goal with the money you were going to get was to move out of the city. Now, have you accomplished
2: that goal? Unfortunately, no. We've actually moved deeper into the city. However, now we own our own homes. Uh, Actually, we're getting two homes for under $10,000, and they're actually in a fairly decent neighborhood, but it's still the city. We like the country. Mm -hmm. Eh, I think we're just going to have to wait until uh, the parents, uh, you know, hopefully stick around forever, but, you know. (laughs) Of course. I think we're just going to have to wait until uh, we can take over the payments on their house or something, (laughs) I don't know. Unless I, you know, who knows, I might, something might come through for us eventually, and uh, we might be able to get into another place. But we're kind of thinking, you know, maybe we want to die here because this move has been absolutely brutal, and uh, I don't want to move ever again. <laughs> <laughs> moving sucks. Don't do it.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's for sure. Although, Sean may be uh, moving soon. I might be moving soon, so we'll see. Don't do it. Stay where you are. Don't. Do it. It's miserable. Tell Charlotte that. Uh, good to know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, honey, why don't you do the next um, one? All
3: right, so getting into the episode, what were you thinking when you found out you had to make a Damascus European dagger as the first round challenge?
2: Uh, really, the first the first thought was, oh, man, I really didn't want to do Damascus.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know, be n- not for any reason that it's difficult or anything. I do a lot of Damascus steel. It's I, honestly... God's honest truth, Damascus steel is very easy to do, but it is very time-consuming to do it properly. So, you know, having to go in, I I see Will whip the cloth off the blade, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I've done stuff like that. Not a problem. And then, please don't let it be Damascus. Please don't let it be Damascus. And, of course, it's Damascus. And initially, all I see is stuff for canister. And I'm like okay, I really don't want to do canister on, you know, this is the last scenario. And then when I got up there, I found, and he announced at some point that, you know, we've got strips, and I'm like, okay, cool, laminated, that's at least easy.
1: So how thankful were you that Jane Nielsen was offering advice for this challenge, and you recommend that you flip your blade around for your thermal cycling?
2: Yeah, um, that – That actually kind of came about – that was kind of a funny moment um, because I'm not used to work – what am I trying to say there? Uh, The three burner forges that they have, Mm -hmm. they kind of told us don't mess with the burners. So I'm like, okay, usually when I heat treat in my own forge, I turn off the back burners so that the far end doesn't get there. And I wasn't, I don't know what I was thinking. I just thinking, all right, get it in there, get it, you know, run some normalizing cycles. And Jay comes down and says, Hey, you're overheating your tip. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Thank you. Jay. (laughs) You know, I, I know it, it didn't come out, you know, in the edit, there's so much, you guys do not see in the edit you know i there there is you know that 3 hours is absolutely 100% legit anybody who thinks it's not you know that clock starts and you have 3 hours it, it it the competition at least from that end is incredibly genuine um so you know it, it was just oh, thankfully, he's, he kind of saved my butt there, you know, and I was trying to express that, and I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about. And, you know, honestly, being on camera was kind of nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you,
1: got, yeah.
2: you got, like, 12 guys with cameras running all over, in your way, people coming and talking to you. It, it, it's it's pretty nerve-wracking experience.
0: I've talked to you about Drew the the guy drew goodson who won the episode and uh yes you mentioned you guys are, uh,
2: are you? Uh, drew drew i look at drew as the little brother i never wanted <laughs> <laughs> i love that kid he's amazing uh he's definitely going to be one of the top smiths in the world if he keeps at it he's going to be freaking amazing
0: so that being said, what did you think when you saw him walk into the forge, dressed to the nines, in a vest and uh, nice pants, and ready to ready to look good while forging?
2: Uh, I honestly, I thought to myself, well, somebody's trying to suck up to Dave. <laughs> yeah. but, and you know, I mean, on a realistic thought, I was just like, yeah, that's not going to be comfortable at all. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be my um,
1: first choice for forged
2: Yeah, fire. No. I, I I went with my old beat-up hearts and a gray T-shirt just because it was comfy, my black hat, because that's kind of a signature for me. And, uh, you know, it's like, all right, let's do that. <laughs>
3: so in the second round, when you had to put the handle on and you had a whole bunch of epoxy everywhere, you made a comment about epoxy in your underbridges. And the question is, did you have epoxy in your (laughs) underbridges?
2: So, um, you know, one of the things that they do ask you, I don't think I'm breaking contract or anything here. But one of the things that the camera crews and the producers do ask you is to kind of, you know, ham it up, talk to the camera and stuff. So, you know, I mean... The the happy blacksmith dance that you guys see on there that's genuine. I do that all the time. Um, I'm you know I'm really upbeat and happy when I'm in the forge beating on hot steel. And I am a very very silly guy. You can talk to anybody who actually knows me. I'm really just constantly cracking jokes and busting balls so to speak. So, <laughs> what
1: made what test made you more nervous? The oil can stab or the fish slice?
2: Uh, well, the oil can stab, because the oil can stab is, you know, going to be, you know, I mean, that's the most traumatic. Um, I mean, I knew, I knew the blade would penetrate. I knew it would cut at least to some degree, you know, um, I, you know, one of the the things about that, uh, that forge that they've got there, you know, a lot of people don't take into account is you have about five or 10 minutes beforehand to get acquainted with what they have and where everything is. So I'm looking around and a lot of this isn't even, didn't make the edit, but I'm looking all over the place trying to find uh, sharpening stones. I was looking all over the place trying to find uh, needle files and you know, I was, they, they really won't help you. <laughs> you know, they won't tell you where something is, mm-hmm. but, uh, it, you know it, you know I would have liked to have put a uh, more refined edge. That was just uh, the 220 grit belt and then I think I went to a 400 slack belt on it and you know just got it there but I wasn't able to really polish the edge and then uh, you know strop it to get rid of the burr. So I think that probably didn't help it a whole lot right <laughs>
0: When it came to the final round and you you saw the Zonde spear, did the judges provide steel and wood material for you to use for the that particular uh, challenge?
2: Yes, absolutely. Forged in fire, when you're going back to your home forge, they do give you materials uh, that will be suitable for the challenge. You know, that's part of what you get out of it. You know, uh, you're not required to use them, but they do give you that, um, well, you're in our case, we were required to do uh, the, the spear, the handle was supposed to be done uh, from that, you know, piece of wood. We weren't, or at least what I was told by the rules department was, yes, it has to be, you know, taken down from that. You know, they gave us two by two ash. Yep. Uh, so we were told, yes, it has to be taken down from that. You can't just go out and buy a handle. Because otherwise, I had a great source for inch and a half lathe turned ash. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, if I was allowed to, believe me, I would have just called up one of my buddies up here who uh, he does a lot of fencing swords and crossbow prods and spears and stuff for medieval reenactors. And he has tons and tons and tons of that. You know, he's got ash from, like, I think seven-eighths all the way up to, like, inch and three-quarters, you know, in, like, ten-foot lengths and stuff, so it would have been really easy to get something perfectly round, but...
3: <laughs> Did you have any reservations when you saw the cannon?
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. When I saw the cannon, I was just like, oh, wow, this is, like, the only, the second time I've ever seen it used, mm-hmm. uh, and... Uh, you know, actually, no, uh, I'm sorry. Let me rechange that. That, the Boar Spear episode was the only other episode that the Air Cannon has been in, used, unless they've used it in the past two or three episodes. I haven't seen the last two or three episodes yet, so don't spoil them for me. Right, don't um, worry. <laughs> uh, I, uh where were we? Uh, air cannon. Yeah. I, I, had never seen the boar spear episode. It was the only episode prior to filming that I had never seen amusingly. Like, I think the night when we were in New York, uh, the final night after, uh, filming the finale, it was actually on TV that night. And I was like, <laughs> <No> way! <laughs> that's crazy. And, I actually talked to the gentleman who – because if you watch that episode, you'll see that Will actually – or Jay, rather, I'm sorry, comments that I can feel it probably warped a little bit because I can feel it hanging up. And I actually talked to the gentleman who uh, won that episode, and he made comments to, like, the effect of, I am shocked that they had you guys make those to such tight tolerances – because they told us to make ours a lot smaller. I think he said, like, keep it between inch and an eighth and inch and a quarter, uh, which would have given, you know, a good half inch plus tolerance. Yeah. Um, you know, the the uh, they told me that that bore was inch and a quarter or inch and three quarters. I think it was actually inch and five eighths. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, I had I had a uh, inch and nine sixteenths ring over the shaft of my spear, mm-hmm. and uh, it fit the whole way.
1: Let's make splinters. Did you come up with that, or did the people on the show kind of feed that to you?
2: Nah, that was just <laughs> off the cuff. You know, they're like, but let's make. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Daniel was like yeah let's make sushi joking around and they're like use that use that so (laughs) it's just yeah it's just off the cuff like dumb remarks that got made you know because there there's a whole lot of standing around and a whole lot of like behind the scenes silliness that goes on when you're filming uh you know, honest, honestly, I think they need to give the whoever's handling the uh, Smiths, they need to give them a camcorder and get some behind the scenes footage of some of the nonsense that we come up with to entertain ourselves while we're waiting <laughs> for hours on end. Um, it, I think it would make great TV. <laughs>
1: you had mentioned that the handle warped during shipping. Did it cross your mind at all that that could happen?
2: It really, I really wasn't thinking about it, honestly. At the end of, uh, you know, the end of that forty-five hours that you're given to make that weapon, I really just wanted that thing the heck out of my shop. Um, <laughs> that, that was that was a brutal, brutal experience. Um, give you, give you guys some of the stuff you didn't get to see, uh, like the moment the film crew showed up. Uh, For the first day of filming I hear their car door slam And literally that moment The entire electrical system in my shop fried Mm -hmm. Like literally There there was a huge electrical fire in my shop And one of the things I researched about the Azande culture Is that they don't believe in bad luck Everything that goes wrong is witchcraft and I'm just like, they're incredibly superstitious. So, you know, I'm like freaking out. I've got this electrical fire going on. I finally got that squelched. And I'm I'm like losing my mind. I'm thinking, okay, no, I'm not going to do this competition because I'm going to die if I do. So,
3: you
2: know, there, there was a lot of craziness that went on, uh, you know, filming in my shop for that. So, you know, I was just like, at the, at the end of that experience. And it's grueling because, you know, you're working 10 hour days, you've got an hour break that you can split up, however, and it's just grueling. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I, I just, I, I just wanted to get that thing crated up and out of my shop, um, you know, and the whole idea, you know, the other thing is they do not tell you what the final round challenges are. I don't know if you guys realize that you you are going into it absolutely blind. You have no idea. Um, so you know, I'm everything I had researched on the Azande Makriga, which is actually the proper name for that spear, indicated that that was a thrusting weapon only. The in the Azande culture, a warrior who had thrown his Makriga would have cons- have been considered to have unmanned himself and would have been shunned by the whole tribe. So. The whole idea of it being launched out of an air cannon or anything like that was really... never even crossed my mind. I was really expecting some sort of, like, thrust, pneumatic thrusting rig or something like that. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's You know? Yeah. Okay. And like I said, I had never seen the air cannon. The only other time they used the air cannon epi- in an episode, it was the only... <laughs> episode I had never seen. Right, of course. <laughs> it's it's my luck, it's the luck of the Irish, you know.
0: <laughs> so, I think that's it for episode questions <laughs> to really focus on. We do have a couple other general questions that we wanted to ask. So, Absolutely. I was watching I I scrolled through your YouTube. I saw you had some of those instructional videos and in the one that i watched for a little while you were using a coal forge but i know on the show you had a propane
2: forge so do you have a preference uh yes my preference is to have both
0: there
2: are there are things where coal excels and things that coal sucks at there are also things that propane excels at and propane sucks at the properly equipped shop has both so that you can use, uh, you know, whichever heating method. Uh, coal is very, very cheap, at least where I live. I pay about $200 a ton for coal, and that is a little over a year running in the shop. I can I can burn coal for about a year before I have to go get more when I buy a ton. Okay. So we're figuring 200 225 a ton a hundred pound tank of propane costs me $91 and lasts me a, between 30 and 40 hours.
0: Okay. So we
2: can do the, we can do the math there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spend 3500 to $4,000 a year in propane, uh, you know, running when I'm running full time. Yep. Uh, so, you know, one of the things about coal, coal is a lot hotter, so you can get bigger heats. You can also spot heat, whereas propane, the nicety is you can put 20 things into the forge at once and just pull them out one after another. They'll never burn or melt, um, but it's an all-or-nothing heat. You know, what, whatever is inside the forge is going to get hot. You don't really have the option to heat up just one little area. So they both have their ups and downs, and, you know, the best the best shops have access you know you have both of them that you can use whichever you need to use
3: that makes sense sense. so where do you get your customers from
2: a lot of them are online uh just people randomly you know i do tend to blanket all over (laughs) facebook and stuff uh i do have a large kind of following locally here in cleveland uh i'm also a uh Officer with the Western Reserve Artists Blacksmith Association, which is one the local Abana affiliate, Abana being the national blacksmithing organization. Uh, You know, I attend Quad State uh, Roundup every year in Troy, Ohio. That's the largest blacksmithing uh, gathering in the United States. It's even bigger than the national organization's gathering. Uh, And I do a lot of... uh, like art shows, craft shows, uh, I've done some county fairs, some city festivals, all, you know, whatever and wherever.
1: Is there a, a material and style you prefer when making blades?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I prefer to work with carbon steels. I don't like the exotics. I definitely don't like stainless. And really, what I'm known for blade-wise is doing integrals. Uh, and I don't mean just integral bolsters, but integral guards, pommels, handles. You know, I've I've got one blade. It's forged uh, entirely from fifty one inch, fifty one sixty. It's a big double-edged blade, about 20, I think it's about 28 inches long. Kind of looks, has a bit of a Celtic leaf uh, type blade. But the handle, the pommel, and the guard are all forged one piece. Uh, the handle and pommel are both uh, hexagonal. And, yeah, it's it, that. that's a beautiful piece. It, which, actually, that was a piece that I forged in my interview process for forged in fire because i didn't have a whole lot of blade uh pictures of my blades because most of my knife making was years ago before the advent of you know cell phone video cameras and having a camera on you at all times i still have a hard time getting used to that sometimes so
3: <laughs> yeah
2: Just to take more pictures really
0: so how long for say maybe um a buoy style knife. If you were to make something like that, how long do you think it would take you to make that blade from design to completion? Uh,
2: so, you know, that's, that's such a loaded question. Um, (laughs) because there's so many, you know, obviously the more intricate something becomes, the more time it's going to take. Right. Um, I've got, I, I do have, uh, point buoy style blade. Uh, it's actually on my website. It's Damascus steel. Uh, it was a collaboration project. Uh, the, it's pool and eye pattern Damascus steel. Uh, the steels were 1085 and 15 and 20. That was all hand uh, welded and hand-drawn at the open forge that I host a uh, bunch of the guys got into they wanted to make Damascus so they'd swing sledgehammers I created the steel they did help a little bit with uh, the design work and you know putting the handle together and shaping the blade I did a lot of the actual grinding and shaping though uh, and finishing just to make sure it got done right because it was going to be a raffle item but uh, for raising, you know, fundraiser for our Open Forge project. Mm -hmm. And I think we had a grand total of about 35, maybe 40 hours of work into it. Um, But at the same time, if I'm doing the same thing in a uh, monosteel and doing simple scales, uh, you know, I could probably turn the same blade out in you know six to eight hours of you know real time because you've got you know all of your thermocycling and your you know heat treating processes where most of that is just sitting on waiting for it to cook
1: yeah right
3: yeah
2: so you know i mean as far as real time you know we're talking time forging grinding putting handles together you know eight ten hours for a buoy probably give or take um, but, you know, again, that's working in a mono steel and,
3: sure.
2: you know, having having everything efficient, which efficiency isn't necessarily one of the hallmarks of my shop.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Besides blades, what is a popular thing that you make?
2: Uh, I do make a lot of hammers, tongs, punches, hardy tools, top tools, uh, a lot of blacksmiths tools. Uh, I've also done a whole lot of railing work, doing ornamental gates, railings, fences, that kind of stuff. Uh, I've done big chandeliers, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff.
1: Oh, awesome! So, Chris and I are hoping to get into some sort of smithing, blacksmithing, bladesmithing, um, uh-huh. trying to set up a home forge. So, you know, we've kind of been asking pretty much in almost every interview um do you have any good beginners
2: tips yes take some classes that's that's the biggest thing i mean you certainly can learn this by just you know picking up a hammer and beating around and whacking and i mean youtube is a huge boon when i first started doing this you know youtube didn't exist so you know, you really had to, you know, there, there are a lot of books out there that you can read, um, but you really kind of, if you really wanted to learn how to do it, you kind of had to search out somebody else who knew how to do it and, you know, get tips and tricks from them. Um, nowadays, that's not, you know, I mean, it's, it's easy to find classes. Abana uh, is a lot bigger, so there's a lot more Smiths around as well as the ABS uh, you know, it's really easy to find other Smiths. Most of us are really, you know, yeah, we love, we love to hang out with other Smiths. Uh, just this last weekend, Adlai Stein, who's another previous Forged and Fire competitor who lives in Columbus, he had the open house for his, uh, Central Ohio School of Metalworking going on. And myself, Bryden Kinneard, uh, who else was there michael hoops who's another big hammer maker john king uh there were there were a lot of at least ohio local really well-known smiths there because you know we're just demonstrating and supporting adelaide and i i think he uh was kind of wanting to have some of us at least as you know occasional guest instructors down at his school uh but you know getting getting involved with your local club, it's gonna give you an access to a whole lot of resources. So, you know, classes, get involved with the banner, especially if you wanna go blacksmithing or the ABS, if you wanna go knife knifesmithing, mm-hmm. uh, attend the big events, attend the conferences, go to hammer uh Quad State every September, you know, 2,500 or so blacksmiths descend on Troy, Ohio, and every tool you could possibly want is there uh, Blue, the company that makes the big blue hammers, yep. they're set up there every year. Oh, wow. Um, and you'll, you'll meet literally all the big names in smithing. You know, my buddy Pete Brass is doing some amazing stuff. Uh, he's Fireforge with a PHY. Uh, but he does amazing stuff with just putting crazy, uh, crazy new takes on traditional joinery uh you know some of the really well-known bladesmiths and blacksmiths are there you know guys like colin fung and jeff McCrady are there every year uh we always try to have a few really big uh demonstrators like last year i think we had kevin cash in for the bladesmithing demonstration oh, cool. um you know we've had uh We've had Finn and Liam Christie there. We've had Peter Bruner, rather. J.W. Randall, I actually met him at Quad State uh, about eight or nine years ago, I think it was. And he was really the one who took my Damascus to a whole new level. He totally changed my thinking on Damascus when I, you know, took his, uh, his uh, seminar. So, oh, I mean... cool that kind of stuff, get, get to know people, get out there. And above all, you know, remember that, you know, a hammer is just a rock and an anvil is just a bigger rock. You don't <laughs> need all of the tools that you see, you know, you, you look in a shop like the fortune fire shop, or you look at these other shops and yeah, they've got, you know, $10,000 power hammers and $15,000 presses, three, $4,000 grinders, all that you really don't need them. You know, we, we did this work for how many millennia with files and, you know, flat rocks and all of that, you know, look, look at some of the old work, like go to the New York metropolitan, metropolitan art museum, realize they really didn't understand metallurgy and they didn't have any of those tools. They had to make all their own tools and the amazing work that they were doing back then. It's possible to do. It just, it takes more time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see here. Maybe one more question each as we go and then yeah. we can wrap it up. Do you want to be on Knife or Death? And I'm going to um, call that up with saying we have no ties with Knife or Death and we can't get <laughs> you on the show. We
3: are really
2: just <laughs> curious. <laughs> uh, no i I have absolutely no interest in knife or death um i'm honestly i'm reserving judgment on knife or death until uh season two once they've had a chance to evaluate viewer uh feedback and maybe make some adjustments to the show um I mean, I I don't know Goldberg or anything, but uh, his style is just way too over the top. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, for stuff like wrestling or maybe drag races or whatever, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, the man's got it. But, yeah, Knife or Death is a little (laughs) bit more of a mess thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So... You know, like I said, I'm I'm waiting for season two. If they do, assuming they're doing a season two, I believe they are filming one or have filmed it. Mm -hmm. But before I make any real judgments, I'd like to see what the, you know, what the producers take and feedback from the viewers.
0: Cool. Yeah, it sounds like a good plan. We're hoping season two um, excels uh, because it's a cool idea. But yes, it was. Oh,
2: absolutely. Um, you know, bringing, br- you know, they, that show could do for, you know, the cutting competitions, what, you know, Forged and Fire has done for bladesmithing and blacksmithing in general. I mean, it's, 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 you know a huge hobby now i mean it's so many people getting into it because of forged and fire it'd be really cool to see you know the cutting sports competitions you know blow up like that too yeah absolutely
3: um did you do anything in particular to prepare for when you went on fortune fire
2: Um, Yeah, actually, I did one thing in particular uh, because I was advised by Adelaide Stein, who went out in the first round because of heat problems. I was advised that it was unholy hot in the studio, so I would spend three hours in my shop with all the doors closed running the gas forge and working for three-hour stretches at about 130
0: degrees. Wow.
2: wow. Yeah, it was, you know, I was heat training before that. And it turned out that I, it was a 90 degree, I think it was 92 degrees the day that we filmed. And the shop was, I actually, when I walked into the shop in the morning, I was like, for the love of God, would you guys turn those forges on? It is freezing in here. <laughs> and it was, prob- it was probably like 75, 80 degrees. Uh, but I, I was cold because I had spent so much time in that high heat. (laughs) Wow.
1: Have you ever been to the blade convention?
2: No, I have not been to blade. Um, unfortunately because of moving and finances, I was not able to attend this year as much as I really wanted. Um, I do have tentatively firm plans, uh, to go to blade West. Uh, which is in Portland, Oregon. They decided to do Blade West this year. And the upside of that, because I can make that into a you know, multiple faceted trip. One, Nicholas uh, or Grendel, he lives up there in Washington just across the border. And my youngest daughter, Siobhan, lives uh, in one of the suburbs of Portland as well as my ex-wife. So, you know, I've got, a, you know, my ex-wife and I, we get along really well uh nowadays uh so you know i've got a place i've got a place to stay so i don't have to worry about hotels and all that i just have to worry about getting myself out there and i'm pretty sure i'm going to be able to attend so (laughs) that's great
0: well i think that's it for our questions for today thank you again for for coming on with us and and discussing your episode (laughs) and and blacksmithing and all that and um, why don't you let everybody know where's a good place to find you online?
2: Uh, let's see. You can find me at hammerandthistle.com as my website. Okay. You can also follow me at Jason Nass Blacksmith on Instagram. I do post there and you can also find me at uh, if you look up Jason Nass Blacksmith uh, you'll find my business Facebook. And if you really want to see pictures of my dogs, guns, and, you know, the other weird stuff that I do in my personal life, you're free to, you know, shoot me a friend request on my personal Facebook. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still under 5,000 friends, so I got room if people really want to be in there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, great. Um, cool. And, uh, yeah, check out Jason's videos on YouTube as well. Um, some of the instructional oh, yeah. stuff yeah, that I good saw good. was really great. There's some good, good instructional videos up there that he has put up and um, definitely
2: worth checking out. Ignore the video <laughs> logs. The video logs, you rambling mostly while I'm in the car, bored. <laughs> we <Well, laughs> Will do, but all righty. So. Let's, can I take a second? I'd like to just intru- – I'm over at my parents' house right now doing this interview. I'd like to introduce my mom and dad if that would be okay of course, with you guys. Sure. Like, Let's get over here. This is my father. Hey, hi. Hey. Hi there. Hey.
1: My name's John. John. Um, John.
3: We're, we're really proud of Jason and we're proud of what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, thank you very
0: much. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's, it's very nice to talk to you.
2: Uh, all right. mom's over here under the pavilion. So hopefully we'll have light enough. But. Uh, Let's see. This is my mother, Suzanne. Hello, hello. I enjoyed your questions for the interview. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah, they've been hanging out here in the backyard, listening to it. (laughs) They've got just a beautiful, beautiful backyard here. You can see the Mm -hmm. creek, I think, there, and it's just awesome down here. Oh, doesn't great. really
1: look like you're in the city, man. It looks pretty yeah. awesome to me. <laughs> well,
2: I, I live in the city of Cleveland. Uh, you know, I'm very much urban, but they're they're about 35, 40 miles east of Cleveland. Wow. So they're out past the suburbs where it starts becoming country. Neat thing about Cleveland is you can drive half hour and literally be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so unlike the really big cities like New York, it's like you got to drive – you know, six, seven hours to get out of the suburbs. Oh, yeah. Here it's about a half hour, so it's kind of nice. And, you know, Cleveland really is kind of a really it, – it is a big city. It's really friendly city, too, um, for the most part. I so, forgot to say something. Uh-oh. Dad forgot <laughs> to say something. Hang on. Uh, go Browns. Yes.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're Cleveland. Sports fans through and through. <laughs> oh, that's great. I want to see
1: him do well this season.
2: Oh, God, uh, that that actually reminds me. I was filming the final game when the Indians were knocked out of uh, the playoffs by the Yankees. Oh, man. I was filming during that, and our hander, handler, Amanda, I showed up to the filming wearing a Cleveland Indians shirt. She was wearing a Yankees oh, shirt, nice. and we were just digging at each other and then the <laughs> next after the game she's just like hey did you catch the game last night and i just gave her a look and just like shut up
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: on that note i think that's the perfect was- way to end the episode thank yeah. you again for talking with us jason and um we'll be in touch we'll chat with you again soon
2: all righty You guys uh, take care, and, hey, everybody out there, make sure you smash that subscribe button for these guys. and uh, Same for Jason on his YouTube and
0: and Instagram and all that good stuff. Yeah, don't
2: follow my YouTube. It's boring. (laughs) (laughs) Follow my Instagram. That's entertaining. There we go. (laughs) All
0: right. Thanks again, man. We'll catch you later. You guys have a good one. Thanks. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.